Welcome, welcome. Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the Studio Local podcast. Creation is crazy. My name is Andrew Allen, and I am unfortunately your host. Believe me, I wish Jen Selter was on your screen right now keeping the show moving. We probably would have gotten more than 150 hits on YouTube last week, just a hunch. But uh, Jen is all tied up doing her squats and her donkey kicks. God bless her. So uh, in the meantime, you're going to have to deal with me. As far as dealing with me goes, I do want to address something. Uh, We got our first couple of dislikes on YouTube, a badge of honor, I must say. And I kind of love it. Uh, Got a couple of haters in the bunch. Um, If you don't like the show, that's totally fine. Uh, That said, dislikes are dull. So if you don't like the show, or if you do like the show, I'd much rather you drop me a line in the comments section, or hit me up on social media, or email me at creationiscrazy.com, and I and others, I'm sure, would find that much more interesting. This show is a work in progress, I will fully admit that, and I'm more than open to criticisms and suggestions, and welcome them, in fact. The second that this show becomes a safe space will be the death of it. So by all means, internet, do your worst, or if you dig what I'm doing, do your best. Uh, But to those who have been watching thus far, I really do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Thanks. Thanks for clicking. Uh, That's what you're doing. You clicked on something to get here. Uh, you, You said to yourself, I could be stalking my ex and steaming over pictures of him or her on a date with someone new, or I could be reading about how one, if not both, of the presidential candidates are pieces of shit, or I could be Netflixing and watching that documentary that my bestie said I have to watch or we can't be friends anymore. Out of all those options and much, much more, you chose this show, so thank you. I will do my best not to waste your time, as I do not take that lightly. Uh, I do want to talk about media options quickly, though. There are many of them, Uh, too many of them, probably too much content, which has generally made everything worse. It's made content providers scratch and claw for whatever can captivate your attention for 30 seconds at a time expecting anything from a reader or a viewer longer than that would be asking for simply too much. Part of what I and this show stand for in the marketplace is a departure from this way of thinking. I'm creating something long form and thoughtful for a reason. The culture of clickbait has manifested itself in celebrity worship a general lack of integrity and depth in journalism and entertainment, and a world in which preaching to the choir and depending on established brands and properties trumps all. The culture of pandering that my friend Joe and I talked about last week is all too real, and it's made it a very difficult thing for original thought and creative, innovative work to ever see the light of day. I want to challenge you, the viewer, to only consume content made with thought, care, and originality. Basically, be careful what you watch, read, and, yes, click on. The more clicks that hack journalists and vapid fame whores get, the more power you're giving them. It's very easy to feel powerless in a culture around you when, in reality, you, the consumer, create it. There's a responsibility to consuming and creating, so do so both wisely. On today's show, I'm going to talk a little bit about writing and what that process looked like for me when making Glow, a couple of failed attempts at financing the film, so maybe this is a good one to listen to if you want to hear what not to do. And then our guest in a bit is Maya Piata. She is a singer-songwriter in a genre that she has coined Sunshine soul, and she's really talented. Uh, If you don't care about me or Glow, I don't love hearing that, but it's like, you know, whatever, I get it. Uh, But at the very least, skip ahead to Maya's segment and her performances. In particular, she performs a couple songs of hers. 
and uh, you will become a fan. I guarantee it. And if you don't, then you don't have a heart or a soul or an ear or something. Basically, you're probably a douchebag. All right, let's start the show. You cannot have a protagonist without desire. It doesn't make any sense. Any fucking sense. You follow? Good. Anyone else? Yes. Sir, what if the writer is attempting to create a story where nothing much happens, where people don't change, they don't have any epiphanies, they struggle and are frustrated and nothing is resolved? More reflection of the real world. The real world? Yes, sir. The real fucking world. First of all, you write a screenplay without conflict or crisis, you'll bore your audience to tears. Secondly, nothing happens in the world? Are you out of your fucking mind? People are murdered every day. There's genocide. War, corruption, every fucking day, somewhere in the world, somebody sacrifices his life to save somebody else. Every fucking day, someone somewhere takes a conscious decision to destroy someone else. People find love. People lose it. For Christ's sake, a child watches a mother beaten to death on the steps of a church. Someone goes hungry. Somebody else betrays his best friend for a woman. If you can't find that stuff in life, then you, my friend, don't know crap about life. And why the fuck are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? I don't have any use for it. I don't have any bloody use for it. Okay, thanks. So to you new listeners, this is the part of the show where I talk about how I got my movie made. I always find it very fascinating to hear the origin stories of people I admire, whether they be athletes, businessmen, music artists, or for me in particular, film directors. So this is your opportunity to hear my account of this beginning stage of my career. If you missed episode one, I do recommend go back and listen to it, if not right now, at some point, just so you can get the full story. So where was I? I had just written down the title of the film, Glow, and I was about to begin work on my first feature screenplay. Writing. <laughs> this is a weird, weird, and often depressing job. As amazing and inspirational as the initial idea light bulb moment is, actually turning that idea into a thing brings you right back down to earth. Makes you feel like an idiot. Makes you feel like you were just on drugs an hour ago and all the supposed genius that you were thinking then is utter nonsense. The blank page is the biggest bully I've ever met. Shut up. Give up. You're crazy. Nobody cares. These are things that it's shouting at you on a daily, if not sentence by sentence basis. And it is only by pure insanity that you continue on thinking, no blank page, you're wrong, blank page. This big piece of nothing that I'm looking at right now is not only going to become something by sheer force of will eventually, but it will become something awesome. It will become something that will make people laugh and cry and think about their lives differently for years and years to come. They will make posters of this something and hang them on their walls. They will integrate this something into their online usernames. They will sit their kids down in front of this something and allow it to borderline brainwash them to the point where they're still reciting the lines and singing the songs from this something well into their 20s and 30s. The whole new world. That is how powerful this something is. The bummer is, as depressing and defeating and malicious as the blank page may seem, it's usually right. Now that doesn't negate the fact that writing can be a useful cathartic exercise regardless of if it ever sees the light of day. But the reality that I'm talking about is that most writing isn't good enough to resonate with the hearts and minds of anybody that isn't your grandmother. And it's borderline arrogance 
to think out of all the writing that people could be reading right now, they should really check out my stuff. I really have something special to say, and I say it in a special way. It's insanity. It's pure insanity. But necessary. Very necessary. Where do you think we came up with the name for this show? We're encouraging a healthy level of crazy here. And so, I began writing my first official screenplay. I had written one in high school that I had more modest ambitions for, but this was my first real one. And I didn't know what I was doing, but like anything, you jump in. You know, if, if your kid tells you, I don't want to get in the pool, I don't know how to swim, you don't say, oh, no, 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 yeah, it's totally fine, I get it. Like, I have my own fears of failure in life, and you just, you go sit on the bench with your little sister and eat watermelon some more. You say, no, Billy, I, I know you're scared, but put on the floaties and jump in. It's the only way you're going to learn how to swim so you can jump off the diving board in the deep end like the big kids. And so you jump in and you freak out and you hyperventilate and you grab back onto the side again. But once you realize you're not going to die, you develop a certain level of confidence and dare I say it, overconfidence, which is apparently a theme here. And before you know it, in your own four-year-old brain, you start thinking, I'm the greatest swimmer there ever was. And that's pretty much what the first draft of Glow was. It took me six, seven months to write. And man, does it suck. I've reread passages from it recently, I know. And I'm sure I did some revisions and it got a little bit better, but it sucks. And I had no idea. I thought it was so awesome that I tried to get it financed right away. I started calling up anybody that I thought had a little bit of money and I got a bite from a friend of a friend of mine who apparently doesn't know what a good script is either because he did say he was interested in financing my then 90 page script currently budgeted about 32 grand. And so I started casting. I started gearing up to shoot summer of 2010. But when push came to shove and, and I asked him, okay, where's the money? Silence. Silence. Silence is not golden. Silence is broke. Silence is, I have to call up each and every cast member one by one and tell them, I'm an idiot and you just wasted your time auditioning and going to a table read for this movie and we're not gonna be shooting this summer, sorry. And so that summer came and went and I discovered the promotions industry cause I waited too long to get a summer job and I worked at Lady Gaga concerts and they dressed me up in wings. It's a true story. So I returned to school the next year, still looking for investors, nothing was happening. I took to LinkedIn to try and find somebody. Maybe somebody online could be my savior. Filmmaking groups, angel investor groups, University of Texas alumni groups, nothing was panning out. But per my experience the summer before, I did notice a pattern that there are sad people who will willingly eat up your time knowing full well they can't help you just because they wanna feel like they're a part of something for a little bit. I can remember emails and phone calls that would last for hours with grown men who would talk up this big game about how they know so many people and they've been around the block so many times, but whenever I would press them for details, they always had nothing. This further cemented the idea that the entertainment industry attracts people who crave power and recognition and want to feel important. And I guess when you can't actually break into the industry yourself, the next best thing is get on LinkedIn and convince a 20 year old film student that they need you to get their movie made. There was this one online caller who may or may not have been full of shit about being able to connect me with an investor, but he did bother to sign a non-disclosure agreement and read at least part of my script. 
and he wrote back to me and he gave me some notes and and basically he told me that he didn't think it was good enough to stick his neck out with his friend and and that stung that stung because i agreed with him by that time i had grown enough as a screenwriter to know that what i'd written even just a year ago looked amateurish and i i should have known the whole time and i got angry mostly at myself but this one guy made me revisit the script and, and ask myself could i make this any better so i started rewriting and not just a revision but a page one rewrite to where scene for scene this is a completely different movie and something happened in this rewrite what came out of me was not just a revision based on my development as a screenwriter but it was a refined take on the world as a whole it's amazing how much you grow in those years how your perspective is just constantly being blown to bits and reconstructed again and not only that but this script was a response to the bondage of being a film student and my idea of being an independent filmmaker in the modern age. Independent film has become one of two things, a bastardized star system in which TV actors or film veterans begin a new stage in their career by growing a beard for their Sundance movie and or a boring minimalist scene that emulates TV aesthetics, probably because the producers know that's where these films are gonna end up, on a TV screen. So I wanted this script to basically be the opposite of everything those movies stood for to me, which was some kind of surrender to the state of the industry. I wanted this script to be what I looked at as what independent film should be, something where you have complete freedom, where you don't have to play by anyone's rules. This point resonated with me when I asked a couple professors at UT to, to take a look at my script and one of them was nice enough to do so and to meet with me after and when we met then he told me that if I didn't cut 40 pages make sure that it was it was under a hundred then people would be bored to tears and the movie would never get made and with Encouragement like that, who needs discouragement? And so within a month of that meeting, I decided to graduate a year early from film school. I told myself, I'll graduate and I'll be in the workforce for one year and I'll come up with half the budget myself and I'll meet some investors and I'll get half the budget from them. That was my plan. Even though this whole section of the story lacks really big plot points and might seem kind of boring in comparison to what's to come, I look back at these years and really am proud of who I was then. This trial and error, I know nothing stage of my life oddly makes me smile. I'm not saying I was perfect or always had the correct attitude towards the university experience. I'm just saying you probably won't have regrets when you're living in a state of unwavering focus towards a meaningful goal in your life. Chip away every day and you might smile at a seemingly uneventful time in your life too. Next time, I'll talk about selling copiers or how I decided to try and make money for Glow. Along with a bunch of other stuff like casting and location scouting and other pre-production matters. See you then. With all this said, could anybody actually make the argument that the Hurt Locker is better than Point Break? Either way, I love me some Cat Bigelow. Okay then. Shall we hoop? I I actually got got a call that I gotta take. Somebody who might invest. Oh yeah, for that movie you're making. Yes, that movie. Who is this guy? Where'd you meet him? That you're about to have this call with? LinkedIn. My thoughts exactly. This is it. I have a good feeling about this one. It's good energy. Full on, I feel it. It's good. I like it.
Yes, hello, hi. Uh, this is Andrew Allen, the filmmaker who spoke to you about potentially investing in his movie on, on LinkedIn. Oh, hi, Alan. Yeah, great to finally meet. It's a little loud in here. Yeah, it's it's it does sound pretty loud in there. My friend's cousin over here, he's doing some landscaping work. Only the plumber was over here at the same time, and there was a problem with the sink, and we were having some, some unplugged drain. Couldn't see nothing but dirt in there. And, uh, you know, we don't have a stopped-up drain no more. Right, right, right. So it's kind of like the right script can get stopped up in the pipeline of the movie business if it never finds the right investor. Wh which movies have you been a part of again? Well, I've never really been the investor myself. I could have yeah, I'm looking at the email right now, and you literally said you've been a part of investing in a few movies. Well, I, I know a couple people who do that sort of thing. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I mis misunderstood you. Uh, so, how do you know these friends? You know how you get an investor. You get Kevin Sorbo to be in your movie. Kevin Sorbo? The, the, the Hercules guy? He's huge over in Russia. They love that Hercules show. All of that Viking money and warrior money, and all of the money of screen grew. So did their off-screen chemistry grow as well. So Kevin and Lucy are both just sweethearts, and we love them. That, no, that, 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 that's fascinating. That's fascinating. It's truly fascinating, and I'm sure that Kevin and Lucy are great people. But, but short of casting Kevin Sorbo in my movie, like, do you have any suggestions for getting it financed, or, or would it be possible for me to talk to one of your friends? I don't have any friends, man. I've got my Kevin poster in my box set of Hercules, what? and I, those are my friends. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to... Billy, what are you doing on the phone again? None of your beeswax, Mom. You are always talking to strange men. Get off this phone. I can do whatever I want, what Mom. What are you doing? Put down the gun. No, 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 no. Put down the gun. Put down the gun. This is it. This guy on the phone's no, right. I don't do have any like friends. That. I'm going to end this no, thing baby, right you now. Can no. Put down the gun. Please, please. I beg of you. Please. What would your father say? Ah! Uh, no. uh, <laughs> Andrew. How'd that call go, man? I don't think LinkedIn's going to work. Could have told you that a couple hours ago. Disappointed! Welcome back. The guest segment on our show is brought to you by Nancy Chartier Studios, featuring acting sessions for adults, children, private sessions, and taped auditions on-camera cold read auditions, slight read technique, emotional preparation, and memorization on camera. Visit Nancy Chartier Studios, Nancy, C-H-A-R-T-I-E-R, studios.com. Our first guest today, our only guest today, is uh, the beautiful and talented Maya Piata. She uh, She hails from... Dallas, Texas currently, but she has an interesting background that I'm sure she's very eager to tell everybody about because it is interesting. I am. Thank you very much. Um, I am from New Orleans. I was born there and raised there until Hurricane Katrina, which located me to Dallas, Texas. Um, but I have roots in New Zealand as well, so I get to go back very often. Last summer, I got to go back and we did some really cool stuff in New Zealand. Yeah? Uh-huh. What'd you do? Well, I'll tell you, Andrew. Right. <laughs> um, the first day that we landed, I actually got to perform on national television, yeah. on the Maori Television Network. And then after that, um, we did a couple local radio station spots. Okay. And that was really exciting. The, it was my first time to be on air Yeah. and my first time uh, singing my original songs. Okay. Um, on air. That's awesome. Do you have a, a New a New Zealand accent? Can you do that for me? Um, I can. My mom has her strong accent, and I yeah. just lost it. But I don't know. I feel weird about it. I can say my name. Hello, my name is and my tribe. Do, let me do it. Yeah. Kotaku ingwa mai piata. Kotaku ingwa. Kotaku iwi tu aho. You okay? I <laughs> I just expected you to sound like Peter Jackson. 
No. You gave me something completely different. So. <laughs> Good for you. That was much more cultured. Thank I was just going to do a, Thank you. a hack voice, which you know that Not I love to do. Voice. Yes. Yes. Yes, of course. Okay. Well, cool. And then what age did you come uh, from New Orleans over to Dallas again? I forget. I was, it was 2005, so I was 10 years old, 9 or 10. It was when I was in fifth grade. Yeah. So, um... It, it was it was a cool experience. I I describe it for me personally. It was more like a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Because New Orleans is awesome for culture, and obviously all my family was there. Yeah. Um, but coming to Texas, North Texas, it had it provided a lot more uh, for me to grow, especially okay. in education. And there's a lot more opportunities um, for me. Okay. So it was it was. It was cool. It was very sad. Yeah. Um, we lost a lot of stuff. Of and course, yeah. Thankfully, not any family members. I know a lot of people went through hard times and still are suffering the effects of Katrina. But yeah. But I I consider myself to be one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't mean to like bring up a bunch of bad memories or oh, be too good. Dateline NBC here, yeah. but like what what do you remember? Like what's I'm very fascinated by like specifics in the story because you do hear that name and you you saw news footage yeah. but if you don't have a personal story to attach to it then sometimes then you can be too cold to, right. to big news events like that like what what was your exact experience we were maybe two or three weeks into the school year and um it was just another day and on the news there was you know the big red alerts going off and oh we need to evacuate the city it's a category four or five I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so then we packed everything up, and by everything I mean a couple covers, a couple sandwiches, and roll out. A yeah. lot of people, especially my grandfather, um, who's not with us anymore, mm -hmm. but he was like, "Oh, it's gonna pass. You know, it's just another hurricane," which is something that happens. It's kind of like tornado warnings in Texas. Yeah. You hear the alarms going off outside, and my mom is like, ah, "Get in the closet!" And I'm like, "Mom, it's just another tornado warning. Like, it's okay." Yeah. So a lot of people played it off, which is why a lot of people stayed in the city, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, we got out soon enough, and my aunt had just bought a place in North Texas. Yeah. So it was all of my family, and we ended up staying at my aunt's house. It was cool for me as a 10-year-old to be with, you know, all 64,000 of my cousins in one house. Yeah. But um, thinking of it as an outside perspective, it, it was a lot of pressure on my parents and watching all of our documents and old pictures, you know, in my grandmother's attic who who had a house right on the levee. Yeah. Um, which we rebuilt her house for her because she couldn't she couldn't leave her house. Yeah. Um, it 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 has it's 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 heartbreak in it. Uh, but like I said, out of that, I came to this new school system. There's a lot more diversity in North Texas. So I got to make um, friends of different nationalities. Yeah. Um, more opportunities in school. I just graduated, or I didn't just graduate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in college now. I'm about to finish my bachelor's of science in business administration with organizational behavior and human resource concentration. Oh my goodness. I had to make a rap out of it oh so that I can remember yeah, yeah, the yeah. actual title. But yeah, being in North Texas has been an amazing, an amazing journey so far. Cool. Awesome to hear. Glad, <laughs> we're, glad we're representing. Yeah, represent. Properly. Represent. Represent. <laughs> Uh, this is kind of random. Have you ever seen the movie Beasts of the Southern Wild? Uh, no. You haven't? Do you know no. what it is? No, I don't. Okay. Do you want to tell me about it? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't even, I mean, I don't want to like shit on it. Wait, I, I think I have. Is yeah, it with a little girl? The little girl. Yeah. Who was amazing in that movie. She was so cute. She was, she was fantastic. Did she like paddleboard across the swamp? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, with her dad and, and almost all the all the people that they found for that movie were just locals in the New Orleans yeah, area. Yeah, I think I did Katrina. see that. Uh -huh. And it was kind of, I don't think it just ever explicitly was like Hurricane Katrina, mm -hmm. but uh, just you knew. You yeah, knew. for sure. Like it was a very like artistic take on people that, that didn't want to leave yeah. uh, their land or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, kind of people like your grandma probably. Yeah, exactly. Probably. <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I'm just curious. It's a rich, it has a lot of culture. I mean, I know that my grandmother wouldn't want to leave there with all of her history. And But for me, it's it's a good place to call home. Yeah. Uh, and it's an awesome place to visit, especially around Mardi Gras or, you know, if I'm feeling some beignets or get some actual real crawfish. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, cool, man. What other, what other 
What what other kind of movies do you like? Are what you a movie? Kind of are you a movie gal? We've been talking about TV, but I'm not really a TV person. I'm, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not like cult, like super. Warm, yeah, you know what I'm saying. You're not a movie buff. Yeah, I'm not a movie. But geek. I'm I'm not. You don't have to be. I'm just as like f- five favorite films, like hand to. A gun to your to your mom's head. No. So you have to answer. I hate it when people are like, I can't I can't say five. It's like there's a gun, gun to my mom's head. Gun to head. your mom's head. You have to give me five movies in the next thirty seconds, so she's. Dead. Oh my gosh. Okay. There is Wreck It Ralph. There is uh, Princess and the Frog. There is <laughs> this. It's thirty seconds over. Forrest Gump. Um. Oh, the pressure is so real. No, no, no. What's doing two other movies? <laughs> Bad hell yeah. Phone a friend. She's phoning a friend. Oh my god. Yeah, phone a friend. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. I think my mom is dead. She's That's dead. three. She's I'll still dead. give you two more off the top of my head. Thank I just you. watched um I just watched Now You See Me Too, which is really cool. Yeah. And <laughs> I hear scoffs in the back. I think that's gonna win Best Picture. You think so? I think yeah. And I really want to give you an actually good one. Um, I'll be I'll be cliche and say The Notebook just because I cry every time I see sure. it. Sure. And it's just you know You're ultimate a chick. love story. Yeah. You're a chick. I'm You're a chick. A chick flicks are. Yeah, it's good. They rule the world. My world. Okay. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, when you sing, mm-hmm. what what uh, where does that what place does that come from, like? Does 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 it stem from melancholy? Does it stem from happiness? Is it all of the above? Like, wh- what gets you going as far as like either writing a song or even just like wanting to grab an instrument and start playing? Um, I started playing guitar when I was eleven because my my mom was in this performing arts group from New Zealand and it's called Kahurangi. Mm-hmm. So it's basically performing arts of the New Zealand culture, which is Maori culture. Yeah, and they sing and dance Maori art yeah uh so when i was 11 12 ish we got to host the kahurangi they were in san antonio and they came back and stayed with us for maybe a week yeah and every night they would play their guitar and sing and it was like oh my gosh look at these people like living their lives living their lives that's what i want to do after they left i told my dad i was like daddy i want a guitar like i really want to play he's like okay so i saved up my pennies and i saved up my dimes and I bought my first guitar at 12. Um, I started teaching myself how to play. And then I had always liked to like write little stories. I thought I wanted to be an author. And like I used to write little novellas and show my mom. And like, what do you think? And she was like, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah. So once I had my guitar, I was able to put my stories to my chords that I was learning yeah. as being a, a preteen. Um, and that's how that's how my songwriting works. Thinking about the songs that I, I used to wrote, it's it's really cute because you know, like a twelve year old, like what's a twelve year old gonna sing about rainbows what? and and stuff? And I still boys? sing about rainbows. Boys? Yeah, boys. Boys. Of course, boys. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I remember my little sister. She's gonna kill me for saying this on <laughs> right. a show that's going on the internet. But I just remember she she wrote a song when she was like seven and the funny part is in the lyrics of the song i think she said she was older than she was so she's like when i was 12 (laughs) i had a crush on a boy his name was davy and i don't think she knew a davy she definitely wasn't 12 (laughs) shout out to but shout out to fictional davy he was so hot right right exactly yeah i think that the kids they look at the music uh, it's particularly meant for teenagers right. for, for whatever reason. Teenagers are way cooler to them than, than adults when you're seven. This is true. Um, but yeah, they look at that music and they go, okay, yeah, they, those guys, those 16-year-olds really got it figured out. This I is wanna true. I want to be just like that and have crushes on boys named Davies, too. You're telling me, I actually work with kids. Yeah? So I've been working with kids for seven years, and it's what gives me my joy. It's what keeps me young. Really? Yeah. Well, but God. they always ask, are you a teenager? It's like, not anymore. So now I feel old, and I'm like, ah. And what is the response after you say, no, I'm, I'm old? I make them guess. Okay. Yeah, so I've gotten 76. Yeah, but that's just a smart ass. Yeah. Like, no. what's, the, what's the most hurtful, realistic guess? Probably, like... 30 something so, someone, so someone was really trying to guess and they're like 33 right. and i was like <sighs> so black does crack <laughs> you're dumb i can't do right. it i am doing it right you are doing it 
We're all cracking. It's okay. I know. Maybe my foundation's cracking, but I think I think it's I, okay. This is not a this is not a body shaming show. Just so the audience and no, I don't I, want. I feel very shamed. Um, what's uh what's like the coolest gig that you've gotten to do so far? I know you just did Clyde Warren. Yeah. But is there anything that's like yeah I we were in this amphitheater say. in front of twenty thousand people it was okay right right. No, I'd have to say that Clyde Warren was kind of the coolest. Um, I've been wanting to do festivals for a really long time. Yeah. So getting that call, it was literally a call. I was like, hey, we want to... Actually, my producer, Corbin, Yes. he works for this company, and they needed royalty-free music. Yeah. And I had a take of a demo that we did right before I had to go to school yes. or something. Yes. And he's like, royalty-free where do I get royalty? He's like, uh, uh, play. Yes. And starts flowing, and everybody, in my mind, is like, who's that girl? We want that girl. We need this song. So basically, that's how how that, um, how that Clyde Warren came up. And when we got there, it was really cool. Playing for volunteers, especially. Yeah. I volunteered for three or four years as a 13, 13, 14. Okay. So it was, re- it was really awesome. My heart goes out to the volunteers. Nice. And then what, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if you even want to say this on camera as far as like. Let's just try it. Let's just do it. Let's yeah. just try it. It's a raw um, show. Because it's, it is futile. That's part of what the show has, is about is it is kind of futile to plan your career because what will happen will happen. And right. a lot of it's just kind of spontaneous. Mm-hmm. But like, where do you see yourself? And like, whose shoes do you want to fill? Like, I know if somebody, if I was being honest, like mm-hmm. if somebody's like, which director's shoe do you want to fill in the movie marketplace? I could give I could give a couple, and it's a little arrogant to be like, I'm, I want to be as good as that guy, or I will be as good as that guy. Right. But it's not even about being good. Just like, what niche do you see yourself in? Like, I would say, with with my sound, I've been exploring my sound, and so when people ask me, oh, what genre do you do? Yeah. It was hard at first to categorize myself because yes. me, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be categorized as one thing. Uh, I see myself growing already from the songs that I've written and are doing on this EP. I've already had so many experiences and grown to maybe like a different sound. Yes. But as I was explaining to my, to especially the interviewers in New Zealand, I could pull names like Lauren Hill, um, Corinne Bailey Ray. As I'm producing this EP now, I'm drawing a lot from like Amy Winehouse, um, this New Zealand artist named Aradna. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I have a lot of influences. I think more like the Lauren Hill, Lauren Hill, Indiaree vein is where I see myself going. Yeah. Um, I'm really in love with this artist. His name is Alan Stone. Yeah. And in fact, when I was 17, I snuck into his college show at UTD. I didn't go there yet. Yeah. And I snuck backstage as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so then I got to and I got to steal a song from him and we got to sing together. Oh, cool. And as as we're like like he's packing up his guitar and everything, goes, keep singing. Yeah. Like, keep doing it. And I was like, Whoo. like that was yeah. the moment I was like, I have to keep singing. Right. Like, I have to keep doing this. That's awesome. So um last time he came to Dallas, his drummer Jason Holt actually slid in my DMs and was like, yo, wanna come hang out backstage? I was like, you know it. That's right, I just dabbed. I, I just dabbed for sure. But I did, uh, and we got to hang out. And after Clyde Warren, Jason Jason hit me up and he was like, hey, how's everything going? So I got to send him a couple clips from that. Yeah. Um, which you saw on Instagram, I think mm-hmm. you did. Yeah. So that was, that was really cool. And he just told me, he was like, yo, Keep doing it, keep writing, keep being inspired, and you'll tour soon. So my dream, my big dream right now is to like open up for Alan Stone and like go on tour with them. That's my big dream, but obviously in the back of my mind, I have bigger amb- ambition. Cool. What, what do you view as like the hardest part about creating, whether it be music or stories that you'd come up with when you were a little kid? Yeah. Or is, is it the blank page? Is it expectations? Like what What really makes you not want to do it? What makes me not want to do it? Yeah. What's the resistance? Yeah, I think. Because if, if, if it was easy to do it, everybody would be doing for it. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I think, and now this is, this is getting a, like really deep and personal from my core, but 
I think just the expectation in trying to make everybody happy yeah. is one of the biggest resistance because it comes from within. You kind of hold yourself back. Yeah. Um, and that is something that I've definitely worked towards shedding. Yes. I feel like in the front of my journals, I have trillions of journals. I'm like an analog geek, but in the front of most of my journals, I'll I'll write something to myself. So when I open it up, I feel comfortable in my world yeah. to create. Um, and it says, you know, sing because you love to sing. Dance how you want to dance. Write, you know, what makes you happy. Yeah. So I feel like if I create and I'm honest with myself, which is, which is one of the hardest things to do, because once you create, once I create, then I put my heart into it and then being able to show it to, um, you know, a whole audience like at Clyde Warren or a um, hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people. Yeah. Then that's my heart that I'm putting on the stage. Yes. And I'm saying, judge me or enjoy me. That's why I say, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, so it feels like, for me, it feels like, especially in like my dark hour, it feels like standing bare naked in front of that many people in front of an audience just saying, judge me. But it's kind of one of the most freeing things. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> On the flip side of that, what what we say is your inspiration is your fans, is people just like listening to your music? Like, is it the feeling that you want to have? Well, I'm kind of led you in the question there, but answer however you want. <laughs> um, I hope that I have fans. I mean, I feel like that that's pretty cool. Maybe a little arrogant to say, but. You probably the- have like Solid 300 20. fans right now. <laughs> oh, no, really? like I'm talking like 300 people, some total, who have heard you and think you're really cool and think, damn, I hope I hope she blows up. Yeah. I bet you have 300 people, maybe more. I've I don't come know. Across, I've come across quite a, a few, and it's always really cool when they're not like my friends, like my immediate friends, and uh, people come up and they're like, yeah. oh my gosh. So that's really cool. I'm a fan. Oh, thanks. I'm in the 300. <laughs> Thank you so much. There you go. I can't, I'm blushing. Um, but right now, it's it's more about just putting my art out for the world, kind of taking this intangible idea, what's been going on in, inside my soul, yeah. and, and making it a reality, making it something tangible, and kind of having a, a bite to my bark, saying, oh yeah, I'm a singer-songwriter, blah, blah, blah. Finally being able to drop my first EP, Hottest EP, Summer 16. Yeah, what's, do you have the title for that? <laughs> yes, yet? I do. It's uh, Sunny Days. Sunny and days. that's the title of my single okay. for my EP. Yeah? Yeah. Is that so, the song that you're going to sing for us today? I'm going to sing that song for you guys. Do you want to sing? Uh, yeah, sure. All right, let's sing. All right, let's, let's wrap sing this it. mobile up. <laughs> no, let's do it. All right, cool. Hey guys, my name is Pieta and this is my song, Fall in Love off of my EP, Sunny Days, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Oh, 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 oh. Got a confession, I made a mistake I let my heart speak louder than my brain I know there's no way, no how I had my doubts, uh, and they're bringing me down, down Lipstick stains on your collar The smell of her perfume Red flags turn white as soon as I hear you say that there's no way, no how. I had my doubts, yeah, and it leads up to now, and now I can't believe my own two eyes. Tell me this ain't real life, cause you're with her, I'm here standing in the rain. I can't believe my own two eyes. How could I have been so blind? I'll never fall, fall in love again. I'll never fall in love again. Ooh. Oh, 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 I 
gave you everything I know that there's no way, no how But look where we turned out And I can't believe my own two eyes How could I have been so blind? Cause you're with her, I'm here standing in the rain And I can't believe my own two eyes How could I have been so blind? I'll never fall, fall in love again I'll never fall in love again Shattered like a piece of glass. I see right through you, I see right to your core. I don't love you no more. How'd I love you before? Oh, I can't believe my own two eyes. Tell me this ain't real life, cause you're with her. I'm here standing in the rain. And I can't believe my own two eyes. How could I have been so blind? I'll never fall, fall in love again. I'll never fall. Can't believe my own two eyes. How could I have been so blind? You're with her. I'm here standing out in the rain. I can't believe my own two eyes. How could I have been so blind? I'll never fall, fall in love again. I'll never fall in love again. I'll never fall in love. No, 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 no. Never fall, never fall in love again. Woo! This is Sunny Days, the title song of my EP, and here we go. Possibility to go back to how it used to be. Don't it seem like everything's changed that far in the line? It was so easy back then, maybe in time. We can go back to sunny days. Can we go back to sunny days? Yeah. After the rain, or oh, after the rain, oh, we can go back to sunny days. Can we go back to sunny days? Yeah, after the rain, the sun comes out. 
to fly line. It was so easy back then Maybe in time We can go back to sunny days Can we go back to sunny days Yeah We can go back to sunny days Can we go back to sunny days Yeah After the rain Sun comes out again <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Maya, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, so, so beautiful. Thank you for coming on the show today. Appreciate and, uh, it. And where can everybody find you on social media? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can Snapchat me. Let's be Snap friends at Maya Pieta. That's M A Y A P I A T A. And you can follow me at Andrew H. Allen on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, L Studio Loco, E-L Studio Loco, or Glow Movie if you want to follow the progress of Glow. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope to see you next week again. See you later. Thank you.